Greetings, and thank you for listening to Pastor Deshaun Van Cleve resume his message found in Luke chapter 8 at Calvary Chapel, Valdosta. We hope that this sermon series has blessed you so far. Now let's continue to listen to this word of God. Flip over to Luke chapter 8. We're going to not finish the chapter today. It's such a long chapter. In fact, I was trying to track myself throughout the book of Luke. And we've been doing about three, three studies for each chapter. It's, it's a hard book to go through. Now, I, I, I was liberating with myself and saying, well, maybe we should just do more. But it's too much. It's too much to just take in. That's like too much of a good thing. You're going to miss out on some things, the nutrients. And so three studies in each chapter, and they're all pretty long. But it's some really good points and some meat to hang on to, guys. I don't want you to miss that. This is for us. This is for us to get acquainted with Jesus. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 8 today, and we're going to be reading verse 26 down to verse 39. Luke 8, 26 through 39. Now, before we get started, we'll stand together and we'll read the scriptures. We're going to read down to verse 29 just to prep us, but we'll give honor to God's word, and then we'll go through the rest of the chapter. So Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 26, we're going to read down to verse 29, but we're going to study the whole chapter. It says this, And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time, and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus... He cried out and fell down before him. And with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters. And he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. We thank you for this word, and Father, this time that we have to look into it, I pray that you would illuminate our minds, and that your Holy Spirit would give us the sense, the understanding of the passage, Lord. And Lord, I ask, Lord, I ask with all of my heart, will you make us doers of the word, and not just hearers? In our hearts, we can't just do that. Lord, we need you to give us both the will and the, and the ability to do it. So we ask you this morning for all those things, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. A man named Alan Redpath, speaking on Nehemiah, once said this, A leader must have compassion. Nehemiah was such a man. Alan Redpath, he wrote about him. He said, you never lighten the load unless first you have felt the pressure in your own soul. You are never used of God to bring blessing until God has opened your eyes and made you see the things as they are. Nehemiah was called to build a wall, but first he wept over the ruins. 
Nehemiah was called to build a wall in Jerusalem. But first he surveyed the wall to take it all in, to feel it. And this morning, as we are now on the other side, which is the title of our message, On the Other Side. <coughs> we are now on the other side. Last week, Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. Now we are on the other side. And what is on the other side? Well, just like with Nehemiah, it is something for us to see. It is something for us to pay attention to. <clears throat> it is something for us to collect. God. Understand. Jesus was always moving with purpose. And he said, let's go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Because there was an appointment that he had to make. But it wasn't just an appointment for him. <clears throat> It was an appointment for someone else. And it wasn't just an appointment for someone else, but it was an appointment for his disciples. We need to see something. Just like this morning, we need to see something. In fact, as we go through verses 26 through 39, we're going to see something. We will see a man in distress. But we will also see a man possessed. And then when Jesus gets a hold of him, We'll see a man at rest. And this is, this is beautiful for us. Because this is the picture that we see today. If we look out the windows into the world, this is the very picture that we see today. We need to see what Jesus did with this man. How Jesus touched this man and what, what transpired in him. So we can go and see the way Jesus sees and do exactly what Jesus did. The disciples had been following Jesus and they had to learn this lesson on the Sea of Galilee last week when they were in the water and the boat was filling up. But another lesson that they need to know is how to look at people. How to see where people are. If they're going to serve the Lord, if they're going to be workers and fellow helpers in the gospel, same for us, King. So look at verse 26 through 29. Here we're going to see a man distressed. This is a man that is distressed. It says in verse 26, And they arrived at the country of the Gadareans, which is over against Galilee. That, is, that means on the opposite side of Galilee. So on the other side of this body of water, of this sea. It wasn't too far apart, maybe 10 miles or so. Longer in some parts, but in this part, about 10 miles. They get over there. And it says the country of the Gadareans. Now, some of your Bibles say the, Ger the Gergesenes. Some of your Bibles say the, the Gersenes. And it, this is just a country of Gadara. Now, today, they actually don't know where this spot is. And they have some idea of where it is, but the, the, the Gadara, or this country of the Gadarenes was a wide area, a very wide area. So it was hard to really pinpoint where exactly they landed. Okay, there's some spots in Israel today. But I want you to know that there were, there were three provinces that were, that were considered Jewish in Israel. It was the, the, the province there of Galilee, and it was also Judea. And then it was this province of Perea. And this Perea contained this place, 
the Gadarenes or the country of the Gadarenes. And so it was Jewish. I want you to know that because it's important for the text that it was a Jewish place. So they go over there to this country. And in verse 27 it says, And when he went forth to land, then met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils a long time, and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. He was in the tombs. So we see that oftentimes the trials that we go through are not just for us, but they're also for other people as well. You see, the things that God is working in you and in me is not just to teach us and mold us and shape us, but it's also for other people to see God's work in us. The disciples had to go through the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and they had to go through the boat almost capsizing so that they could see this. This was for this reason. So they could get over here to this person. It says that they, when they got on land, there was a, a man, a certain man there in this country. Now it tells us, it describes for us three conditions of this man. It says, this man was a man who had devils a long time. That means for a very long time he was mastered by spiritual darkness, by demons, a very long time. It tells us also that this was a man who was wearing no clothes. He was naked. It's not just nakedness there. I want you to understand that it's not just nakedness, but it's, it's a shame that accompanies the nakedness. In Exodus 32:25, it tells us that when Moses went up to the mountain to get the commandments from God, that Aaron stayed behind and somehow this calf got made, right? That's what he told Moses. Somehow it just came out of nowhere. We're doing the earrings and it just came. But it tells us that Moses was upset with Aaron. He said because the people were dancing around in shame and in nakedness. It was shameful. This man, there was a lot of shame with him. It wasn't just he's just naked. He lost a lot of shame. A lot of devils for a long time. A lot of shame. A lot of darkness. But it also says that he dwelt in a place where there was no life. In a place where there was no hope. In a place where there was no help. Do you see that? This man, this certain man, Devil's a long time. No clothes. If you look at verse 29, we'll come back to 28. He says, For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For this is how else it describes. It says, For oftentimes they caught him. And he was kept bound with chains and fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. What it's saying here is that it's giving us more, more information about this man. It's saying, For oftentimes, these demons seized on him, caught him, and made him wild. So much so that people had to try to bind him up. 
and chain them down. But because of the demon possession, because of what was going on in his life, the darkness that had control, he would break those bands and it would drive them into the wilderness. Now Matthew gives us a little bit more detail. Matthew says it wasn't just a certain man, it was two men, is what Matthew tells us. <coughs> Matthew says two men ran out and met Jesus. But Luke kind of focuses on one of the men. But Matthew goes further. He says that this man was exceedingly fierce. Man, he was, this is why they had to chain him down. People, they were scared of him. He was a man that was tormented, that was exceedingly fierce. And in fact, it tells us in Matthew chapter 8 that they couldn't even pass by the way where he was. People wouldn't even go by that way because of how fierce this guy was. But Mark, Mark gives us a little more color. Mark says, not only was he fierce and, and people couldn't pass by him, but Mark said he would often find himself crying in the tombs, cutting himself with stones. He was in distress. He needed help. He needed rescue. And Jesus is on the scene. Aren't you thankful that the Lord sees us in these states? He saw this man in his need. I mean, that really touched my heart when I read that in Mark. That he cried often. And he cut himself with stones because, because he, was, he was in distress. He needed help. He was lost. Yeah, he was fierce. Yeah, he was master. But he was also helpless. And he needed somebody who was strong. And so Jesus, our Lord, comes. I'm so thankful for the Lord. He comes. God comes to us. He doesn't say, you need to come to me and try to attain to me. No, he comes down to us. To us. For rescue. To save us. This man was in distress, gang. He needed help. Now, Mark tells us something else here because Luke says when he saw Jesus he cried out, but Mark says that he was a way off. And when he saw Jesus, he ran to Jesus. And he fell down at his feet and he worshipped him. Luke says when he saw Jesus he cried out and fell down before him. That means he laid out prostrate before him. Now look, this man is in distress, and these demons are mastering him, but he still has a will. And so it is with everyone, anyone, that are out here dabbling in the occult or seem to be possessed. They, they still have a will. And the enemy can't override our will. He can't override our desire for the Lord. He can't. Now, he can oppress us, depress, and all these things, but he cannot override it. All he could do, especially like with Christians, is try to trip us up, try to lead us into some temptation, cause us to mess ourselves. That's all he can do. And when he takes over someone who is not a believer, yeah, he can master him and try to destroy him, but if that person wants to come to Jesus, they have a will. They can make a choice. That's how it is. They don't have full control. 
And so this man here, he sees Jesus and he runs to him. And with a loud voice, he says, what have I to do with you? Now this right here is the, the, the change up here. This is the change. So the man sees Jesus and runs to Jesus, but now the demon has taken over, and the demon now speaks. And he says, what have I to do with you, Jesus, you son of the most high God? And another translation says, what business do we have with one another? What, what relation do we have? with the demon acts. But he went on. The demon said, I beg you. And the king James says, I beseech you. This is, he said, I'm craving, I'm asking, do not torment me. And Matthew, Matthew as it says that he says, do not torment me before the time. Now this is an interesting picture here. Because what we are seeing is that the demons are not on par with the Lord. Just as we were singing, the, the demons flee before him. The mountains crumble at the presence of the Lord, of the great I am. These demons weren't coming and saying, we need to shoot the breeze. They said, do not torment me before the time. What time? Hey, they look, gang, they know the scriptures. They know the scriptures. It's sad to say, they know the scriptures better than us oftentimes. They know that there's going to be a day of reckoning. That there's going to be a day when God judges. They didn't want that judgment before the time. They said, do not torment us before the time. Do not judge us before the time. That word torment means torture. Don't do it now. God, they are fearing before the Lord. But I want you to see that this man is mastered by these things. They're trying to take over this guy. Control them. Now this man is at the mercy of the Lord. And so are these demons. There's nothing that they can do. Jesus shows up on the scene to rescue this man. There are many people today that find themselves in distress just like this. We have this thing today where people are cutting themselves. What is different than what we read here in the Word of God? In the book of Matthew. He was cutting himself with stones. He was in distress. There are so many people in our culture today, there is a fad right now of people harming themselves, hurting themselves. Why? Because they're in distress also. And some of them might be in distress because of some demonic influence and demonic force. I'm going to put that past. Some people are crying out today. They're crying out. They, they, they need help. They don't know what it is, but they just, they need something. And, and, as, and they, these demons sometimes will speak little whispers in their ear and will say, I mean, there's a there's a, a show on TV now. What is it called? Thirteen Reasons Why. 
They say it's supposed to bring awareness, but somehow it's bringing another kind of fad. It's causing other people to want to do the same thing. Harm themselves. Kill themselves. Because hope is lost. But Jesus is here. He's still on this earth. He lives in you. He lives in me. People can have hope. They can have hope. How can they have hope? Right here, it tells us. When he saw Jesus, when he saw Jesus, he ran. He ran to him. He didn't run away. He ran to him when he saw Jesus. And listen, Jesus tells us in the book of John, chapter 12, he says that if any man, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. That's what Jesus said. If I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Jesus, as soon as he touched that ground, as soon as they landed, he saw him. He ran to him. And this tells us, guys, that Jesus needs to be seen in me and in you. Because our culture needs to know that there is a Lord who is still on this earth. He embodies his people. He is still looking to rescue from distress, from all the cutting and the crying, and the demons. Gang, if we just have more of Jesus in our hearts, if we allow the Lord to shine through us, let the Lord have his way and not shade ourselves with the things of this world, and not shade ourselves with the things of the flesh, they can see more of Jesus. They can find help. They can find hope. Find rescue. This is a challenge for us. We need to allow Jesus to be seen more in our lives. As we spend time with him, we lift him up. He becomes the, the Lord, the crown. He's our anchor. People will see him through you. You spend more time in his word. You spend more time praying. You spend more time around God's people. He will be more visible in you so that people who are in distress will run and they say, man, I need to talk to you. I, need to, I don't know why I need to talk to you, but I, I have so much going on in my life. I need to talk to you. Can you, like, what, this is what's going on. Can you help me? Yes, they will do that. They will do that. They will recognize that there is something different with you and there's something that they need that you have. It's because you have more of Jesus in your life. Gang, let the Lord Jesus be on the throne of your lives. Do the living sacrifice so he can be seen through you. Now this man was a man in distress. But I want you to see another thing. This is a man, a man possessed. And we got to dive a little deeper into that. Because we normally don't focus on that these days with the whole demon possession. But, but listen, this is real. This is serious. Look at verse 30. A man possessed. Jesus asked him and said, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. Now, the Lord Jesus, God, our Lord, is omniscient. He is all-knowing. Why do you think he asked the question here? Why do you think he asked that question? Do you think because he didn't know what this 
God's name with this demon's name was? Oh, absolutely not. He knew, he knew who he was. But gang, it was for us. It is for us to see. It is for us to be aware. We must be aware of this right here. This is something that Jesus is trying to show us. This man was in distress because he had this legion in him. In the Roman army, a legion was about 6,000 men. I don't know how many is this legion here. All I know is that later on we're going to read about these pigs and there were 2,000 of them. So there was many demons in this man. Maybe thousands. It's not for Jesus thing. He's trying to get some information. No, it's for us to understand. It's for us to recognize that demonic influence is more prevalent than what we really understand. Don't count it out, gang. Don't act like, you know, yeah, no, that just only happens, you know, like people who are just, you know, messing with the Ouija boards and all those. That only happens with those people. No, no, it is more prevalent than what we realize. A legion was in this man. Embodying him. Why do demons try to take over human beings? Because they want to use them as instruments. They want to use them as instruments to hurt other people. And eventually hurt themselves. It's exactly what they do. This is Satan's modus Operandi. This is what he does. This is how he operates. John chapter 10 verse 10. It says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rip you off. He wants to kill you off. He wants to destroy you off. This is what demonic influence is all about. It's ripping people off. Killing people. Destroying people. When we see all of these terrorist attacks, this is demonic influence. They want to kill people. They want to destroy people. They want to rip things off. This is how you recognize demonic influence in our culture. Whenever you see greed, whenever you see the covetousness and the, the willingness to kill and to, to steal from other people and to take and to do things underhand, this is all demonic, guys. It is more prevalent than what we realize. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that he's the prince of the power of the air. He's over this system. He's in the movies. He's in the music. He's in the media. He's in the world. Listen, we cannot escape the demonic influence. But we do ourselves more harm by becoming oblivious to it. We've got to be careful as Christians. We have to be careful. Now listen, this man right here was demon-possessed. He was also oppressed. And he was depressed. Unbelievers are open game. People who have not put their trust in the Lord, they're open game for possession. Believers are not open game for possession. They already have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. They cannot be possessed. But listen, they can be oppressed. They can be depressed. They can be tricked. We have to be careful. 
So it's not just messing with things that appear to be evil. That's why Paul says to abstain from every appearance of evil. That's why he tells us that in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It is important that we abstain from every appearance of evil. Because it's so real. It is so real. This is not a playground that we live in. This is a battleground. When we encounter people, they might, who knows? There could be legions living in people all around us. They don't have to just be acting a fool and maniacal. They don't have to be just that way. They could be full of lust and rebellion and all those things. We've got to be careful. We have to be. We must recognize it for what it is. This is why Jesus is showing it to us. Now, it is not for us to be scared. It is not for us to be fearful. Because, listen, there are two things that will enable us to be able to respond just the way Jesus did. Notice, Jesus said to him, they, they besought him, actually, after he asked the name, it says they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain, pigs. And they begged him that he would allow them to enter into them. Look, we're not looking for the for us to just have power. Like, I'm going to have some power over demons. Like, be quiet, you demon. Like, no, that's not how we warfare. But the way that we do that is we have a strong relationship with the Lord and a strong relationship with his word. And when we have those things, demons recognize automatically. They recognize automatically, gang. They will be scared. They will cause disruption. They fall down crying, trying to cause a commotion. They want to get, up, get away from you. They want to get, out, get away, get out of the place that you are in. They don't want to be there because if you have a strong relationship with Jesus, a strong relationship with his word, you become recognizable. They realize that the power of the Lord is in you. They don't want nothing to do with you. Man, I tell you, that really blessed me, you know, because growing up I used to watch these, you know, horror movies and then you get scared at night and stuff and everything, but that I don't need, that that doesn't come to my mind now. Because as long as I'm with the Lord, look, they don't want to be here in this house. This is not a place that they want to dwell. They want to be in a place where there's freedom to inhabit human beings and do all kinds of devious things. They don't want to be in a place that's talking about Jesus and they don't want that. That is the key, man. That's the key. In Acts chapter 19, we saw an example of this. We saw an example with the seven sons of Siva. Because it tells us that Siva was like this, this chief priest, this, this Jewish guy. And God was doing some amazing things with the Apostle Paul. He was preaching the word in Ephesus. So much so that people were believing the word and special miracles were being done by him. Paul was like sweating and he's teaching for hours and they're like, here's a handkerchief, man. Wipe your forehead. And he wipes it. He's like, man, I appreciate it. It's real hot in this place. And he put it down and somebody's like, they grab it and all of a sudden they heal. Paul wasn't passing handkerchiefs to people's head. 
for 10.99, you can get this handkerchief and you get healing. He wasn't doing it. But the word was going forth and signs and wonders were following. And that's when the counterfeit comes. These seven sons of Siva was like, I don't like what's going on. I could do some of that too. And so they decided to go in and try to do some exorcism stuff with some guy who's demon possessed. And so they wanted to call on the name of the Lord Jesus without having a relationship with the Lord Jesus. And you know what that spirit said to them? That spirit said, Jesus, I know. Just like we saw in Luke 8. Paul, I know. That's the guy that has a relationship with Jesus. This is a guy that is connected with the word of Jesus. I know those two guys. But you, who are you? Who are you? It said that that demon, that demoniac, demoniac, he jumped on them. He leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Again, it takes a strong relationship with the Lord and with his word. You become recognizable. Not you become invincible. You become recognizable. So that when you're in a place of some sort of darkness and demonic influence, they recognize you. Oh, yeah. That's why we shouldn't think it's strange, you know, when some trial or something is happening with us or some people are upset, they don't like us. Hey, know, guys, that there's probably some demonic influence in this place. Now, I'm not talking about you being a jerk and people not liking you because you're a jerk and you're just always trying to give them scriptures and stuff it down their throat. But I'm talking about when you're just in a place and you're walking with the Lord and it's just like, why all the animosity? I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything. Know that there's probably some demonic influence and they don't want you around. You're messing stuff up. You can have the same impact that the Lord has. All he said was, what's your name? So these others, the disciples, could hear what's going on. And at, at that point, they took over. Lord, please, no, please, can you not send us into the deep? Into the abyss? That's, that's another word for the bottomless pit. It's a study that you can do. In the book of Revelation, it talks about the bottomless pit. This is a place of darkness, a place where there are some angels. And the book of Jude tells us there's some angels who were kept there, reserved to the day of judgment. Somehow they just did some really bad things. They may have been the ones in Genesis chapter 6 that intermingled with the, the men and the, the daughters of men. And did some really bad stuff. And so they got put into this deep, this abyss, this bottomless pit. It's also a place where Satan's going to be thrown for 1,000 years and locked away as the scriptures describe in the book of Revelation chapter 19. But in this bottomless pit, then don't send us there, Lord. Don't send us there, please. All they're doing is begging. They're just asking. They don't know what can be done. So this should charge us. This should encourage us with this, with this point. Is that we're not invincible. We don't just go walking around talking about, I'm going to cast out some demons because I got Jesus and I got his word wrong. We're not exorcists. We're just Christians. But when we come upon people that are distressed and people who are in this state, know that you have the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the holy God. And these 
demons. Or as it says in Mark, this unclean spirit has no authority over you. Because you're in Jesus. We have to help people. Now they're like, cast us into the swine, into the pigs. Throw us into them, Lord, not the deep. And he allowed them. He allowed them to go into the deep. Into the, the pigs, I'm sorry. He allowed them to go into the pigs. In verse 33, then the devils went out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. Remember when I said John 10.10? 10? Is what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Look, they left the man and ran into the pigs, and the pigs run down and get drowned. They're only looking to kill stuff, destroy stuff. And as I told you, it was 2,000. About 2,000 pigs, that's what Mark tells us. 2,000 pigs. It's a lot of demons. Now, these are Jewish people. What are pigs doing in their country? Because from a Jewish standpoint, a pig is meant to be ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. It's an unclean animal. Deuteronomy says they weren't supposed to eat the pig. It, it divides the hoof, but it doesn't chew the cud. It eats anything. Why did they have pigs? These guys were taking on ventures. They, they weren't interested in following the Lord and following God's word and his commandments. Those pigs go down there and they get choked. And it says, and when they, in verse 34, here, I want you to see a man at rest. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and they went and told it in the city and in the country. And then everybody who went and heard, everybody who heard what they said, they went out to see what was done. And they came to Jesus. And how did they find the man, gang? How did they find him? They found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Now look, this is, this is the transaction, guys. This is the change that happens into everybody who is touched by the Lord. This is the change that happens to everybody. First, it says that he was what? When they came out, they, they came to see what happened. What did they find him doing? Sitting. He was stable and attentive to the Lord's word. Now, it doesn't say that the Lord was doing anything there, but if you flipped over to Luke chapter 10, verse, 50, verse 39, it tells us that Mary and Martha were in the house. And it said that Martha had a sister called Mary, and they, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And so sitting at his feet is acquainted to hearing his word, listening to what he has to say. This is the first thing we see with this man. He is now sitting, stable and attentive, listening to the word of the Lord. That is, that's what happens to all of us who are changed by the Lord. This should be an indication that we were touched by the Lord. We are sitting. That means we are stable. We're not just all over the place. We're not hopping from church to church. We're not going from place to place and moving from here and there. There's stability in our lives. He's attentive. We are paying attention to his word. What else? He's clothed. We see that he's covered and dressed in what? What is he covered and dressed in? 
I'm looking for some sort of figurative here. It's a figure. He's clothed, he's covered, he's dressed in the Lord's mercy. He's stable and attentive to the Lord's word. He's covered and dressed in the Lord's mercy. It was the Lord who did that. When he commanded those demons to get out of him, now he was clothed. He was clothed in the mercies of the Lord. Now, practically speaking, where did he get those clothes? Probably from the disciples. They're like, man, you need to cover yourself up, man. Cover up. Oh, I appreciate that. I like those pants. Can I get them? Some tight sandals. You got to get another pair. Hmm. But he was now dressed. Covered mercy of the Lord. Again, when we give our hearts to the Lord, He touches us. The same thing with us. We're covered with the Lord. In fact, in the book of Romans, chapter 13, it tells us to do something even more. It says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and do not make provision for the flesh to fulfill this lust. When it says to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, it means to sink into him like a garment. Put him on like a sweater. And you just cover. You put on the Lord Jesus Christ. This man is dressed and covered with the mercy of the Lord. Mercy. And he's also in his right mind, it says. He's in his right mind. And that's the same for us. He is no longer out of control, but he is now controlled by the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That word right mind is, is sophroneo. And it is similar to the word that we find for sophronos, which is in 2 Timothy 1.7. That sound mind. It is the mind that is thinking right things. A mind that is sober. A mind that is concentrated. This is this man. That's how we are supposed to look, guys. There is no like different types of look for Christians. Some Christians say, no, man, I do. This is how I do. No, there's one standard. There's no different standards. You get touched by the Lord, and then you're attentive to His Word. You are attentive to, you're stable. You get touched by the Lord, man, you're clothed. You're putting on the Lord Jesus. You ain't putting on the flesh. And the things of the flesh, you're not still looking like the flesh. When I came to the Lord, I had the Tim's, I had the Carhartt's, I had the chain, I had the do-rag, I had the fitted cap cocked to the side. I was like, yo, I was straight world. But when I came to the Lord, I didn't want to be of the world anymore. So I put those things away. We're not different. There's no different standards. He's in his right mind. He's sober. You listen, you gotta be sober-minded. Self-control. That is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, by the way. Self-control. When we are full of him, we are self-controlled. 
We're not out of control. So I don't know about that running around and just, you know, you can't control yourself. No way. And notice the people, when they saw him, it says that they rejoiced. Yes, that guy, man, he's such a blessing. Man, look what Jesus did. No, it says that they were afraid. They were fearful. Phobos, where we got our word, uh, phobia from, you know, where we are just fearful of what's what. Why are they fearful? They're more fearful than he is now than he was when he was tormenting them. How can they be tormented by a changed life? The only way that can happen is if they are not willing to change themselves. Look, gang, this tells us, man, that a changed life has an immense impact all around you. When Jesus changed, immense impact. It caused fear to rise up in these guys like, whoa, whoa, I don't know, but how does this do? What? I don't know about this. That's what Jesus does. Drastic change. And they also were saw that told them by what means that he that was possessed with the devils was healed. They told him how it happened too. They didn't just say, they came in and like, look at that guy right there. And they saw him and was like, well, this is, okay, what is going on? Why is that guy sitting like that? He normally was naked. He normally was wild. He's just sitting there. This is creeping me out. But they said, man, look, but Jesus, man, he just was like, look, get out. He, look, he healed him. You would think that that's what they needed. That's all they needed to connect in their brain. Like, that's it. No. It says that he was healed. That, that word healed in the Greek, by the way, is so-so. It's the same word we have for salvation. So-so. He was rescued. Beautiful. In the whole multitude of the country and the gatherings all around, they besought him. They begged Jesus to stay with them, right? No, that's not what they said. They said, depart from us, for they were taken with great fear. And he went into the boat and returned back again. Now notice, Jesus didn't even force his way. Like, no, I'm staying. I'm staying. You will get saved. You will get right with the Lord. No, they didn't force anybody. They didn't. Jesus didn't force. He doesn't force anyone. You don't want him? What does he do? Got back in the boat. Be careful. People have to be careful. Jesus turned back again, went into the boat. Great fear is on them because of a changed life. Changed life. Changed life has immense impact. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed begged him. He besought him in the King James that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, return to your own house and show how great things God has done to you. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done to him. There were two things here as we close. Two things that flow out of a touch from the Lord. Two things. One, a desire to be with him. You can't come to the Lord and then don't even want to be in with the believers, you don't even want to be, you don't want to go to church, you don't want to read. Look, gang, we don't have to really question whether or not you came to the Lord. Because this guy, 
He was touched by the Lord Jesus, and he wanted to be with him. Man. He was sitting at his feet. He was enjoying what he was saying. He was clothed. He was just thinking things through. He was able to process. Now when it was time to leave, and they didn't want Jesus, like, man, let's go. So I got that seat right there. Excuse me, guys. Get on in. You know? Jesus is like, hey, 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 hey. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you. Joke with Jesus. I want to go. Lord, I want to be with you. He begged him and said, please, Lord, I don't want to stay here. I want to be with you. That flows out of the person who has been touched by the Lord. You want to be with Jesus. It's not hard to be with Jesus. You want him. I think it was Hudson Taylor who said, I had him and I wanted him. I saw him and I sought him. When you have a little bit of Jesus, man, you're going to go after the Lord. It's not going to be a struggle. But Jesus had something that was more needful. You see, he desired to be with him. I told you it was two things. One, he desired to be with him. Two, he was willing to do what Jesus said. See, he desired to speak of him. Jesus said, no, there's something better. I need, I need, there's something better I need for you. It is more needful for you, not to just be with me, but to go to your house, to go back to your family, to go back to your city, to go back to your town, and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you. And Mark has said, to tell them how the Lord has had compassion on you. You got to go back and tell them, man. You got to go tell them. I can almost see it right now. He just smiled. I can do that, Lord. I can do that. I did that, I don't believe. But look, look at this. I'll do it. Two, those two things, a desire to be with him, a desire to speak of him, will be there in the heart of those who were touched by God. So he went his way, and he published. The Greek word is caruso. It's to give a testimony. That's what it means. He told them how Jesus touched his life. They said, so you did what? I did nothing. Jesus, man. Jesus. He went throughout all that region. Now that region there is the region of the Decapolis. Ten cities there in Perea to which the Gadara or the Gadarenes was a part of that. So he went around that region. Now Jesus would later come to that region. He's going to later go to that region. So this guy is going to do some work ahead of the Lord. That's why I love Mark 16, 20. It says that the Lord went everywhere working with them. He's like, man, I know you want to be with me, but there's work for you. Go tell them how the Lord has had compassion on you. And by the way, for those people who, like, you know, that are in these religions and they're false. And these cults that tell you that Jesus is not God, I want you to pay attention. Jesus says, go tell them the great things that God has done to you. Or in Mark, go tell them the great things in the way God had compassion on you. And he went throughout the whole city and told them the great things that Jesus had done for them. It's very clear. It's right there. other side, guys. The other side. When Jesus says, let's go to the other side, there's work on the other side. 
There's a person on the other side. There are persons on the other side. They need the Lord. They're in distress. They might be possessed, but God wants to make them men at rest. Will you, will you go? Will you allow the Lord to lead you? Thank you for sharing time examining God's word with us. Be encouraged and move to action this upcoming week. For more information, you can follow us on Twitter at CC underscore Valdosta or reach us by phone at 301-395-3382. Now join us as we close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this example. Father, my heart is just overwhelmed with your compassion. Thought about this man that was in distress, Lord. I was a man that was in distress too. You rescued me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for rescuing us. Lord, Recognize what you were trying to show us today. And I, I just want to be more vigilant. I want to be more sober-minded, Lord. I want to be so oblivious and just careless. I want to be purposed, Lord. And I want to be used to help these people who are in distress come to the one who can put them, who can put them at rest, Lord. You can do that. You are able, Lord, to do exceedingly above and beyond what we can ask or think and according to the power that works within us. So we thank you for this example, and I pray that you help us. Help us, Lord, to be like this man and to publish, to let it be known how you have compassion on people, Lord. How you won't bruise, uh, you won't crush a bruised reed, and you won't quench a smoking flax. It's your character, Lord. You're gentle, you're meek, you're lowly. We love you. In Jesus' name.